0: back for another This Week at Windsor, and joining us, as always, of course, the hostess with the mostest, Doc J. Good evening.
1: Should I take it that's on my hostess?
0: The host, uh, yeah. It doesn't rhyme any other way. The host with the most.
1: There you go. That
2: works. I'll take it.
0: And special guest, Pastor Chris. Good evening.
2: G'day, Arden. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Not Excellent. Too bad. You guys have had a week off. You've had it like a junket. Just (laughs) swanning around. A
2: junket to Padstow. (laughs) Padstow, (laughs)
0: jewel of Sydney. (laughs) It's just the most beautiful place. What were you doing in Padstow?
2: We were doing a, what would you call it, a training seminar, workshop. Initiative. Endeavour for two days called Building a Discipling Culture. This is the third intensive. Intensive, that's the word they use. That's it. Um, This is the third intensive. We've done one each six months for the last... Yeah. So this was the third one.
1: Okay. So what was it all about? Yeah. Building a discipling culture is an initiative of Crossway Baptist Church in Victoria. And what it is, it's intentional training, leadership development uh, around how to impact our churches with the gospel and really try to create that discipling culture within our church. As they like to put it, put the mission of God in the hands of ordinary people.
0: And you obviously thought it's a worthwhile thing. They, they do a few of them.
1: Yeah. We signed up
2: to a two-year program so there'll be one more intensive that we'll do in May next year. And in between the intensives, we've been having a fortnightly coaching with a guy that's previously already been through it and is implementing it in his own church.
1: Yeah, cool. I personally have found it extremely valuable. Uh, I think for one, it's just good to step back and, and have a look and why do we do the things we do as a church? Why do we organize our ministries the way that we do? Uh, one of the things that I've taken away over the last couple of years is the importance of removing complexity. We add a lot of complexity into things. Like, we make it really hard for people, hard for them to get to know people, hard for them to get involved in a small group, hard for them to get baptized, hard. Yeah, you know, just we just make it complex unnecessarily. And I think it's that kind of thinking that says, okay, what are we really on about as a, as a church And what are we trying to do? What's our mission? What's God enabled us to do? What's he calling us to do? And I think building a discipling culture, particularly these intensives, it gives us a great opportunity to look at the strengths and weaknesses of the church, to try and dream big, think about the goals, and then map out a plan for how to get there.
0: How soon do you think we see tangible stuff coming out of this kind of
2: thing? Yeah, well, we are looking at starting a coaching cluster or maybe more than one coaching cluster within our church where we start to take people from the church and implement these discipling program, things with them. Um, So that'll start happening in the next six months.
1: And I think we're already seeing it. I mean, uh, what you don't know is behind the scenes, we've been engaging people in our world, in our everyday life. We're trying to read the Bible with them, inviting them into this great story that Jesus has invited us into this story of having peace with God and being reconciled and, and you know, rediscovering our purpose and, and meaning for existing really. And so just learning how to cross that chicken line, as they say, and, and sort of break the glass, if you will, on, uh, you know, you keep your religion in a little box <laughs> and say, it's actually not there for you to keep in the China cabinet. It's, it's actually a living faith that it's meant to impact the decisions and the way you go about things. And so, You know, instead of having it in this little trophy case where we say, oh, look, gee, I'm a Christian. You know, it's so shiny and beautiful. Would you like one too? You know, uh, say these words and maybe Jesus will give you a trophy. Like, it's not that. It's like, no, this is something that we breathe. And this is something that we bring into every aspect of who we are. And so it's been challenging, but also exciting to do that. And I I mean, I won't tell you who, but you look around the church. and I know there's people who've walked through the doors of our church because we've been trying to implement these things.
0: Have we? Do you think we've officially rebounded after COVID? Are we back to pre-COVID levels? Not necessarily. I, I suppose most of the time you would measure it in numbers in yeah. on, on seats or in giving or whatever, but do you think we're kind of back to where we were? I
1: would say we're a little bit beyond where we were. Yeah, right. I, think, I think before COVID, w- there were some questions that were significant that we hadn't addressed. And I think we've started to address those. While there's some people who haven't returned, which is, w- is something that gives me pause um, and I reflect on and, and, and I don't take lightly. But while there's some people we're waiting to see, there's been a whole lot more people who have joined the fellowship. And I feel like we are kind of starting to g- gain some momentum and build some stride. And I think in the midst of all that, the Lord's done a beautiful work of humility and prayer, and there seems to be a real earnestness that comes along with our fellowship. And one thing that's really encouraging, and I know Joanna says this, uh, we've been spending hanging out with her the last couple days, uh, she says that the fact that people stick around after the service is over, you know, a good half hour, 45 minutes...
2: More than an hour often. It's interesting you ask about attendance though, because one of the things that the whole building and discipling culture is about is looking at what do you measure. You know, so often in churches we measure attendance, but your church could be growing in attendance because the church down the road has had a split or something. Yeah. And so I think you mean
0: church plant, Chris.
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah you know what i mean what what do we measure, and one of the things about building a discipline culture is we should be measuring the things that are actually really important, which is not necessarily attendance, mm-hmm. like are people coming to the Lord through our church ministry, are people being baptized? are mm-hmm. people deciding to serve God through our ministry, are people being sent? Uh, as missionaries or as pastors or you know, deciding to go into Bible college for training. These sorts of measures are more important than just how many people are coming to church or how much money are we getting
1: in the budget.
0: We're certainly smashing the baptisms.
1: It's been great to see, and, and we want to continue doing that. And, and um, there is a baptism coming up, plug there. Uh, but I really like how you brought that back to BDC and what we've been doing there, Chris. Uh, there's so much to be gleaned from refocusing on your purpose and saying, all right, what's our vision? Uh, How are we gonna implement this? What's, What's important? And for us, we talk about transformation. And so for us right now, we're at a stage where we're asking, what does it look like for WDBC to be transformed in a way that God is intending and God is operating in? If that's what he's doing, we wanna be a part of that. And so what does that look like for us? And so we're beginning to identify that and and what it means to be that family of faith, you know, following Christ to freedom. And I know for me, it was great to do some reflecting and say, okay, you know, what what might that look like for us? And and I think you know, just one little snippet is we're we're a church that really values knowledge of God, but I think we need to put a greater value on trusting God. Yeah, we're 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 a church that historically, you know. When the survey came back, when I got called to this place, they said, Jonathan, we want somebody who's going to teach the Bible. And I was like, great. That's what I want to do. I want to teach the Bible. Uh, But if all we do is know what the Bible says and think about the Bible and we don't actually translate the word of God into a trust and a relationship with God, then we're actually stopping short of what we need to be. Because faith is the gateway to transformation. That's the distinctive. That's the thing for us. That is going to, you know, it's where we encounter the Lord in our day-to-day life. And so that's just one example for me of saying, let's take what we are, let's probe a little bit deeper and let's ask ourselves, what would it look like? And so, you know, we might need to press on that a little bit to say, hey guys, it's great that we're learning all this stuff and we know all this stuff and we're going to continue to teach the word, but we're actually going to ask, how does this put you in a position of trust? What would it look like for you to take this truth and live it out this week? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know in my own life it's far easier to define the God of the past and the God of the future Mm. than the God of the present. What is he doing today in my life, you know, day to day?
2: Yeah, yeah. and an active part of, you know, building a discipling lifestyle, so I'm bringing this back to me, Mm. is saying, God, what are you saying to me today? Can you lead me to a person today that I could invite to read the Bible with me? Or is there someone in my life that you're already doing a work in God that I need to be sensitive to so that I can start walking with them in that work. Great. You know, that idea of God of the present is yeah. really important.
0: What sort of percentage of the church body would be, would be plugged into small groups, home groups, Bible studies, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say on the books over 50% of the membership. Now, it's not like we're, we're, we're tracking people, but we do want to be aware because we realize when someone walks through the doors of a church, that's a big risk, right? That's mm-hmm. a big thing. It takes a lot of courage to do that. We want to honor that. We want to honor that by welcoming them and following up and getting to know you and, and learning your name and, and trying to you know have pathways for you to, to join the fellowship. And I think our foundations group is a real good... Uh, first step for people who are wanting to engage with the f- spiritual community here at WDBC, and from that we, we try to encourage them into small groups. And I've been thrilled to see what God's been doing uh, in in the small groups. And, and one of those is the one that that I, I know you're a part of, Arden, which is th- which is the men's group. How would yep. you say that's been going? And you've been there for a while. What's the arc been in that? S- Groups creation
0: yeah so we've just been going through Luke um, and it's been a, a fairly long journey but I would say a very in-depth journey so mm-hmm. if, if Bible study is your thing and you're a bloke then yeah, Wednesday nights is, is for you my wife and, and several other women from church run a, a parallel ladies group mm. on the same night and they always go much longer than than the blokes do <laughs> we're, we're not amazing <laughs> at chatting to each other and kind of and taking it deeper on a relational level but I think that'll that'll happen next that'll mm. be the That'll be where it heads to. At this stage, certainly more of a study group. Mm -hmm.
1: But that's a great example. I know that there's people who have jumped into that group who maybe they're not even church members yet. We might not really see them regularly on a Sunday, but they've decided, hey, I'm going to plug in here. And that's that's really important because if you just go to church on a Sunday... I mean, it's very difficult to be engaged in that 24-7 life of a disciple if you don't know who your brothers and sisters are outside of that hour and a half on a Sunday. And
0: we also had some exciting-slash-sad-slash-difficult-slash- you know, new endeavors, news this week that uh, Steve-O and his family might possibly be moving to, to Coffs Harbour, which is a, 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 probably a, a pretty big blow, I imagine, to the church and certainly to, you, to the rest of you in leadership here. But also, I guess, an exciting opportunity for them.
1: Yeah, very bittersweet, I would say, is, is what comes to mind. I think from a kingdom, pers- kingdom perspective, uh, this is what we want to be doing. You know, we, we, and I think it's our track record here at WDBC. I mean, yeah. we've had the likes of Ross Clifford and Ian Altman and Graham Chatfield. And these are all people long before I got here who have had various, you know, times working as a pastor, associate pastor in this fellowship. So it's very much a part of our history and DNA. So from a kingdom perspective, you know, you have someone who's an associate minister who's come here, you know, with little experience, finished their training while here, and then taking the next couple of years to get plugged in and to to really sit and learn and observe while also being a practitioner in this fellowship. And then you say, well, now that person's become attractive to another church that's looking for a, a pastor. And there's a lot. There's like 30 plus vacancies across the state of New South Wales. So at some point, you sort of begin to feel guilty holding on to these people. But yeah, make no mistake. I mean, I love Stephen Cole. He, I've known him for a long time, and he sharpens me and challenges me in ways that few people ever have, and there's no doubt in my mind he will be missed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've only been on staff for a bit over a year, but I've really loved getting to know Steve. And just his heart and his passion to... To follow Christ, um, you know, to no holds barred—it's full on, and nothing else is good enough, and and that's great. That challenges me. So we'll definitely miss him.
0: There's okay. no official news as yet, though, is there? There's still sort of a, a candidacy program that they they're running.
1: Yeah, like most things, uh, like <laughs> most things in churches, the process is incredibly complex and awkward. So uh, especially congregational ones. But we love it. We love congregationalism. And uh, meetings. And meetings, of course. <laughs>
2: new and improved (laughs) (laughs) meetings.
1: While somewhat complex, the process is uh, a church uh, will advertise an opening and in that advertising at that time, they're gathering a search committee who's going to be reviewing applicants and interviewing them. Uh, So uh, Stephen, uh, I'll let him sort of share a bit more about his process, but very much directed by God and by the spirit and and the eldership uh, can affirm that. Um, But Stephen, you know, was made aware of an opening, uh, felt like the time was right, like God was calling him to apply. They've reviewed his application. Once they narrow their focus down to him as a preferred candidate, um, it's then time f- to come back to the leadership of the existing church and say, you know, and Stephen just let us know a couple, about 10 days ago, uh, hey, I've been invited to candidate for this role, which means the church will have him up. He'll preach on the Sunday. He'll do some additional interviewing and conversations with church leadership and the search committee. And then after that, uh, his name goes to a vote, and this is in a congregational church. In a congregational church like the Baptist churches, the the members will vote, and if the members vote, uh, usually it's in excess of like 75% or something like that, then the pastor will be officially called. And then um, usually, but by the time it gets to that point, the candidate has given them assurance that, hey, if you call me, I will come. So uh, Stephen and Jess have reached that point where if if they are called by Coffs Harbour Baptist Church, that they have... They have decided that that's where they feel the Lord's leading them. And so um, I know they're prepared They're prepared to make that transition if that's the way it goes. So that's a little bit of a glimpse into the process. There's a lot of conversation, a lot of back and forth. Um, but it is important, I think, because, and maybe, Chris, you can attest to this, there's few jobs in life which come with as much credibility built into the title as pastor. There's just a lot assumed into that, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there's such a lot involved in making the transition as a pastor somewhere because everything changes you, you move house your whole family goes with you normally when you take up a new job you you know you just move but your whole family moves with you they all move church like you all as a family move church and and then on the ground there's a huge amount of respect given to a pastor um, you know, so all of a sudden you come in and, and for your family as well, they come in as the pastor's wife and the mm-hmm. pastor's children and yep. everyone looks at them differently and, you know, that can bring a lot of pressure. But we've got to recognise that something like this is not just a move for Stephen but it's a move for Jess and for the children. And, you know, that's quite significant um, for all of them and we'll miss them all. I mean, I've only just touched the surface on getting to know Jess but she's a... Really wonderful lady, yeah, and yeah. and um, you know we've seen young Sebastian get baptized mm. here, and you know so as a church, there's a fair bit of grief in in seeing them go, but also great joy that you know God is leading them on, and that this is going to have an impact for the kingdom, you know beyond WDBC. Yeah,
1: I'm mm. glad you brought that up, Chris. I, I, I cannot agree more. If uh, I'm really sad for people who haven't had a chance to get to know Jess and to get to know their children, she's uh, an amazingly Godly, patient, discerning woman, and uh, the love that exhi- is exhibited in that family, I think, so reflects the father's heart, and so we will definitely miss all of them. But that's that's the beauty of the kingdom of God, right? There's there's no so long. It's just we'll see you later. You know, it's it's not particularly in New South Wales Baptist circles where you just everyone knows everyone. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there's always a reason to come to the Hawkesbury, isn't it? And Coffs is a great place to holiday. That's true.
2: Absolutely, and it's close to Grafton, and you can catch up with Tim and Haley as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
0: Well, I think that's about all the news we've got to cover for this week. I think we we covered pretty much everything.
1: Well, before we go, I would love to hear just a little bit of a funny story, maybe something that hit you, Chris, over the last couple of days. I know I have one, but do you
2: have one? Okay, so this is, I found this amusing at the time. We were led in worship yesterday morning by um, a guy who's, a pastor of another church and he was playing the the piano and, and he was so enthusiastic that it was like an electric keyboard but it had a you know a, a foot pedal for you know sustain or whatever it is but he was getting so enthusiastic that as he was hitting the foot pedal it was like it was percussion and i'm thinking i hope he doesn't break that foot pedal but he was just so enthusiastic to praise the lord it was it was really funny and it was great
1: it was one of those things where where worship begins and and i was like i was my head was in two spaces one i was with you i was like is this whole thing going to fall like i've never seen somebody so rock the keyboard that i'm actually afraid it's like the mic and everything's going to fall off uh, but on the other hand, I was captivated by his enthusiasm, and I was like, wow, this is it's, it's like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, you know, the one-man <laughs> band, the, you know, everything's, right. everything's going. Uh, it was lovely. But my amusing takeaway from the last couple of days is I learned something about you, Pastor Chris. Oh, no. I learned something about <laughs> you. Uh, this could be bad. <laughs> yeah. So for those who didn't know, we, were, we had four guests on the trip. We had Chris Cullen, Warren Johnson as an elder, and then Joanna and I as the other members of the ministry team here. And so we're all going, and uh, Joanna and I had the privilege of sitting in the back seats. And the first day, Chris got to drive, uh, and we, we rode in the Cullen wagon. And then on the next day, Warren Johnson drove, and, and we, we rode in the Kathy Mobile. And so what was interesting was the first day, no Google Maps, no, <laughs> no, no GPS, no navigation all the way from here to Padstow uh, in rush hour. He's a pro. And then, and then on the second day, it was a constant dialogue <laughs> between Chris and the GPS <laughs> about which way was the correct way to go. And I was so impressed at your knowledge of Sydney traffic and just landmarks Chris is like well you know we should turn left at that big shed that's just like three blocks down (laughs) What? (laughs) how do you know all this stuff I don't know
2: I've driven around Sydney a lot all my life and and I seem to have an innate sense of direction so
1: well moral of the story if you're getting in the car and Chris Cullen is in the passenger seat don't take out your GPS (laughs) you'll be fine just say show me the way Chris show me the way
0: Christopher, take the wheel. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming along, gentlemen, for another week.
2: Thank you for having me. And we
1: will do it all again next week. Looking forward to it.